Hi, and welcome to another episode of Speaking of Signify, featuring enlightening conversations about the world leader in lighting. I'm your host, Ryan Miller. As you can hear, I've got a head cold, a stuffy nose, sore throat, all that. Yeah, it's just, that's just my reality at the moment. But listen, let's focus on the matter at hand. The matter is this episode, and it is an exciting one. There are a few reasons for that. Reason number one, it's about innovation. Innovation is a topic very close to the heart of Signify. It's uh, something we've been doing for a long time since our start as a company. And you'll hear how this passion runs deep. Another reason this is an exciting episode is this interview is a little bit different. Normally, I interview uh, one of the decision makers at Signify, someone high up the food chain, so to speak. For this interview, I do something different. I interview an intern. Uh, That intern's name is Iman Faruqi. You'll recognize that name. She's part of the podcast team. She's actually been with us in the communications department for quite some time. I asked her to put together the production of this episode. Turns out she had a background in radio. She actually did a wonderful job. And what she did is she interviewed people involved in the doing of innovation at Signify, the patents team, innovation team, and we got together and had a chat about it. That's what you'll hear in a moment. Reason number three, this is an exciting episode, is it is the last one of this season. That's right, it is our season finale. Now, you might be sitting there going, but listen, don't be sad it's over. Be glad it happened. And if you want more Speaking of Signify content, what you can do is after you listen to this brand new episode, our season finale, feel free to go back and listen to the whole season over again. That's up to you. Right now, over to my conversation with Iman Faruqi and some experts in the field of innovation and patents. So, Iman, first of all, thanks for doing this. How was this project? Overall, it was, to be honest, nerve-wracking. I think I'm really happy with the final project and how it's going to look at the end. I tasked you with learning about innovation at Signify we, we've talked about sustainability as one of the, the key themes, something that is very important at Signify. We did that on an, on an earlier episode, and now we're talking about innovation. And you've actually reached out to people at Signify who are innovators, who work in the, that field, and had some conversations with them. How did that go? It was good because looking at this project, I was coming from a completely new background and I wanted to make sure that I was doing like the full proper research. So I got in touch with two innovators from very different backgrounds, different fields. And it was really interesting learning about where they started off their career and then how they got into the field of lighting and what they've learned along the way. So I really enjoyed having conversations with them. It was really entertaining. Can you tell me who those people were? And also now, because I'm curious what their backgrounds were before they got into lighting at Signify. So one was Jean-Paul Lenartz, and he is currently a research fellow at Signify, as well as a part-time professor at Eindhoven University. But his background started off in radio communications. 
I remember him talking about copyright restriction and how different sets of audios have like this watermark. So a lot of the stuff was really interesting and he was mentioning which stood out quite a bit was how Philips at the time was a potential harm to the music industry. So once when he said that, like my attention just went, I was like, okay, tell me what is the gossip? What is the tea? I need to know. Iman, you actually have a clip of Jean-Paul talking about how his background influences what he does today. We will hear it from the man himself. During my career in Philips research initially, uh, and then later via Signify, I came in contact with a number of lighting topics, and there initially I was working on uh, topics like sensing, but at some point in time it uh, became evident that uh, the idea of communicating with light would also be uh, a great topic to, uh, to work on. And particularly with the shift of the company from selling light bulbs to be active in the area where LEDs dominate, there is a new role for the industry. Uh, the competition differs and, and, and in searching for a new direction. The whole idea of doing more with light, namely communication, was something that uh, fitted very well with my previous background, namely to work on communication systems. So I think I was pretty happy to use my old expertise after having been worked on a number of different topics and go back to my old field. So in the meantime, I've learned more, more about lighting, more about uh, how systems work in the lighting domain. And now I can combine that with my old knowledge of how to build communication systems. That's great. I think the that idea that he has of the convergence between his past in radio communications and his present in the lighting industry and lighting as communication is perfect because what does he work on now? So right now he is focusing on Li-Fi. So it's still looking in terms of communication, but through and connectivity, but just through light. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's perfect to see that. And I think that's also a, a mark of innovation and a great innovator is it's not just about finding a brand new idea. It's about recombining and rethinking the relationship between two existing ideas. Yeah, definitely. And one thing which I've learned from him was even if you are from a different background, there's always it just takes one idea for it to continuously evolve from something you've learned previously. And uh, it's just the way you apply it. So some of the stuff which he has worked on and he also has patents on, it's really interesting. So I want to hear more about that. But before we move on, I know you spoke to someone else who's also working on quite an interesting way of rethinking light and what it is and what it can do. So the second person who I spoke to was Mark Desamber, and he is also just like Jean-Paul, an innovator. And his background did focus a little bit more in terms of healthcare, and he had patents in that field as well. But over time, it's continuously evolved. So he focuses now on people who have color deficiency and a type of lighting which can even be used in retail to help people see better if they are if their eyesight's a bit weaker on the red or green spectrum. Can we hear from Mark on this? Because you explained this to me as something called invisible light, and it's very intriguing. If you can tell us a little bit about the invisible light project we worked on. A, a couple of years ago, we did a project which we indeed called invisible light, which is quite paradoxical, of course, because people expect that light is, of course, not invisible light. So what do, I, do we mean by invisible light? 
it actually is light that we just cannot see as people, as persons, as being part of the light that you use to see something. And that can be infrared. Infrared is quite well known, which is also used for safety cameras, for example. And also UV, which is a shorter wavelength. And that is, for example, the light that's emitted by the sun, but that we cannot see. So we looked into what we could actually use of these wavelengths. So the wavelengths beyond visible uh, light, what we could do with that. And an important, nice topic we worked on, which also led to uh, quite a nice patent, I think, is what uh, is related to the use of light for uh, colorblind people, color deficient people. So there is a certain, it's not a disease, it's more something which people actually are experienced with, is that people can, for example, not differentiate well between red and green. And that's called Daltonism. And actually, uh, one out of 20 people, uh, at least male population, suffers from that which means that people cannot differentiate between a red and green color. And you can imagine that might be an issue, for example, in traffic and road lighting. People have to see, of course, difference between the red traffic lights and the green traffic lights. And what people have came up with, I mean, governments and so on, to have, for example, the red color of a traffic light always been on the top and the green one uh, below, because these people cannot see difference between red and green. Of course, that's fixed by doing actually the colors uh, at a fixed location. But you can also imagine if people have to make a choice, for example, in clothing, and they make a difference, not, they cannot make the difference between red and, and green, they might take strange decisions, I would say. Same holds for people that work in industry, for example, and that are making color dyes. So it's very important that these people could also see the difference between red and green. So what we have come up with is actually making very small changes in the spectrum, but it's typically the, the white spectrum of light. And by making small changes, we can actually make sure that there's a large difference between red and green also for these people. So they will be able to differentiate. And we filed a patent on that. And that patent actually describes a, a lamp, which actually emits light, which for us, I mean, I'm not colorblind. So for me, it looks like normal white. But for people that are color deficient, they will actually be able to better perceive the difference between red and green, for example, on an object or, or on clouds. Oh, that's really fascinating. Both of these gentlemen actually really illustrate that idea that lighting really can be so much more than just, and also Giorgiani spoke about it in the, in the Hue episode, where it's not just about turning the lights on. There's so much more you can do when you really think in a creative way about what lighting is and what it can do. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I do feel that sometimes we do take lighting for granted and we don't really realize, but there's so right. much happening around us. And the people, of course, who are working to push the boundaries of what is possible with light. And if I understand correctly, these innovations, the work in this space where, you know, at the forefront of what, what is possible with lighting, when they come up with these ideas, the next step is to is to patent them. Is that right? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. And that's also one of the things why our innovations there. It's there to, if you have an idea, it's continuously evolving. It's going to come into an end product. And a patent is actually something which the IP team at Signify helps out quite a bit is to protect a specific product and idea so that no one else can steal it. So that's a very simplified version of what exactly is a patent. But in order to go and talk about the process, I'll lend this over to the IP team who say it much better than me. The process of filing a patent can take maybe a year or year and a half. Sometimes there could be a long wait time. So 
what exactly is the process? Yeah, the first thing is where does an invention actually come from? And the thing is, every day when you develop a new product or trying to improve products, you have to make technical changes to those products. And each of those technical changes could end up being a granted patent at some point. And it depends on what's changed and how that compares to what's already known in the world. So if it's big enough change, what's called, it has to be new, of course, and it also has to have what's called an inventive step, which people translate is must not be obvious for a person, what they call skilled in the art. So there has to be really a difference between what's known but if you have that, then you can get a patent granted on that. But the first process is you have to fully describe your invention. That's part of the deal that the governments have. You must explain your invention so that the rest of the world could repeat it and recreate your invention. And that's the part that takes a bit of time because you have to have a good description, good figures, search what's known in it's called the prior art. So the inventors, of course, they have an idea of what their starting point was. But it could be that another person, another inventor somewhere else has, has already had the same idea or has a different starting point. You have to have a search phase. And after that phase, you take your invention or your invention disclosure, and then we convert that into a patent application. From then on, when it actually gets filed, then it has a life of its own. Under normal patent laws, there's something called the Paris Convention. You have one year after filing your patent application to then decide whether you want to do that in different countries all around the world. You do one first filing, then you decide, OK, which countries around the world do I want to do? And then the process really starts. So it costs a bit of money to create that first patent application. But after that, you're basically discussing with examiners all around the world uh, whether this application can be granted or not. It's not signify the grants patents, it's independent patent officers or the things like the European Patent Office. They look at the claims that you have in your patent application and they decide they either grant the claims or they refuse the claims. So it's, it's very black and white. Our role is to make sure that the claims describe our inventions and that we get the protection that we're entitled to under the law in each of the different countries that we file our patents in. But in the end, it's an independent decision by a, a patent office or a regional or national patent office, whether you get the claims or not. I love that innovation sometimes comes from people really doing that blue sky thinking and then evolves into this very precise procedural step. But the, I love that quote about the inventive step where it's every new patent or every new part of the idea has to be something that is not immediately obvious. So that creativity never leaves the process. At part of the filing, it really is just about doing it step by step, but it's always born of this inventiveness. Yeah. And if we come actually like towards the end, there are two people who talk about the importance of that inventiveness and that idea. And I think you'll really enjoy those clips. Why don't we fire them up now? Any advice that you would give for someone who wants to go into this field? 
Yeah, never stop asking questions is the first one. And it often comes when an inventor says to you, I've got this great idea. And then you look at it and you think, well, would I have done it that way? Would I have done it slightly different? And it's that inquisitive mind that allows you to write a great pattern rather than a good one. A good pattern is what covers the product that the inventor has come up with. A great pattern covers products around it. And so then you look at it and you say, well, I would make it this way. And then you say to a colleague, what would you do? And you play all of your ideas and come up with a, a better kind of specification. And you should go and speak to the people that are active in that field, be that innovators or every country has an institute of pattern attorneys. And just ask, just go and get the information and say, I enjoy thinking about the space race or about planes or about mobile phones or something like that. And just think about what excites you and then work on it. That is great advice. Yeah, I think it's always good to keep asking questions. Well, I know I'm saying this from my own perspective as an intern, you always get afraid to ask questions because you're worried that what if it's a stupid question what happens if not getting the answer I want or but I guess that's also a good thing so hearing this advice from Nathan I think it's really good it, it gives I think it can definitely give a lot of innovators but not only innovators like other people around that always ask questions so that's my takeaway from Nathan's clip that's a great point do you have any questions you want to ask now since I'm on the spot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> luckily, podcasts can't see when someone's visibly sweating. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, I think I'm fine. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah. just checking. It's a, it's yeah. a bit late, but uh, I know you're turning your laptop in on Wednesday, but I thought, well, <laughs> if you have any questions you want to get on the record, there's still time, Iman. You teased earlier on that there were a couple of different words of advice or words of wisdom that we could look forward to. What else you got? So the other set of advice is actually from Mark Agens. Now, this is going to be from an innovator's point of view. Actually, there are, I think, two important lessons I, that I learned myself over the years. First of all, the best patterns are actually patterns that address a, a problem, an issue. Because if you, are, if, if you can be inventive to solve a problem, then you can actually write a patent. Because a patent has to solve an existing problem. That's one. The second one, which is, I think, very important is lots of people actually think because people are, they're small, smart people, they have uh, gone to university, so they are very knowledgeable. And often they think that what they have invented is obvious or known or trivial. And I always say to my colleagues, yeah, just try it. Just try it. It might be a patent as well. It's not because you think it's already known. That is, that is true. So I think that's also an important one. And the third one is also what I would like to suggest is also look far away in time as well because the best patents are actually the patents that will protect us as a company uh, from years from now. So also, I always say, take some risk and try it. I feel like there's a real commonality of spirit to both of those words of advice, although one is really about patents and the other is about innovation. Together, they both say, be bold and be courageous. So that whether it's asking questions or as Mark says, don't don't be modest, don't be shy, but to really, you know, put your hand up and say, how about this? What about this idea? And I think that really speaks to a culture of not risk. I don't think that's that's the right word, but really about being adventurous or 
exploratory. And I think those are really, really valuable things to do things that are outside our comfort zone and to, and to push ourselves and to ask questions and be curious. Yeah, I agree. Because if you're not curious, if you're not adventurous, hey, you may not like the way it turns out, but there's also a great chance that it's going to turn out to something fantastic and amazing. And in the field of lighting, I'm pretty sure it's also really satisfying and rewarding that when you're out and you see your invention in person or say that, hey, I remember working on that. I think that's also really fulfilling and really inspiring as well. I absolutely agree. And I would also like to speak up on behalf of failures and mistakes, because I think sometimes you do things and they don't work out, but there's so much that you can learn from those experiences that will help you grow and progress and get closer to a final product, whether it's an actual product or whether it's a, an experience or something you're you're working on in your own life that really holds a lot of value. And I think there's a lot uh, to be learned from the mistakes. As Thomas Edison, the inventor of the original light bulb said, I haven't failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that won't work. And sometimes you need to go through 10,000 wrong directions to find the right direction. And sometimes it's only two or three. But in each of those cases, you need those wrong directions to get on the right track. Iman, I have very much enjoyed this conversation and I really appreciate the work that you put in to get these quotes, to talk to these people and to help bring the topic of innovation and patents to our listeners. Thank you. I just want to say I had a great time working on this. What I want to focus on, I think, is that the all of these opportunities for learning that we found within the topic of innovation and within the practice of making the podcast itself, there is a connection that can also be drawn there. And so I think there's a parallel that can be drawn between you know, innovation and the work that these folks are doing within lighting and then the work that we're doing with the, with the podcast and with exploring new new forms, new ways of communication and new ways of bringing the message to people who are invested in it. And you've been a big part of that. So thank you very much. It's been a pleasure and I'm really happy that I got an opportunity to be involved in it. Awesome. All right. Good talk, right? I think Iman did a great job. And you know what? I also did a great job. So congratulations to Iman and I on that episode. But it wasn't just us. I also want to thank the people whose voices we heard in that episode, the gentleman from Innovation and also from Patents. And they were Mark DeSamber, Jean-Paul Linartz, Stephen Cumpson, and Nathan Millen. So thank you again for sharing your experience and insights. I'd also like to extend a special thanks to Jean-Paul Linartz, who not only provided us with his insights, but when we had him listen to the episode, he said, hmm, there's a couple places here that I can fix up. And he actually went and did some finesse edits on the audio. So thank you, JP. That is, uh, that is amazing, above and beyond the call of duty. Speaking of Signify is executive produced and hosted by me, Ryan Miller. The Speaking of Signify team includes Iman Faruqi, Martin Kottmeyer, and Fanny Kovacs. We get production assistance and hard questions being asked 
by Lloydie James Lloyd and Jonathan Gruber. The music is by Sasha Hudemacher. I want to thank the whole team for all of their hard work this season, and I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in. If you enjoyed the episode and you enjoy the show, please do rate and review wherever you rate and review. Say, uh, Ryan's voice is great. I hope he's feeling better. Whatever you want to do, go ahead and do that and enjoy your summer because that is the end of this episode and this season of Speaking of Signify. Signify.